Radio is the official podcast of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, where brothers engage in provocative discussions on culture, news, and entertainment. Greetings and welcome to Sphinx Radio, the official podcast of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. We have with us today Dr. Robert Harris, who serves the fraternity as its national historian. We are happy to have him with us today on Sphinx Radio for in the month of September, the fraternity has taken a special focus around prostate cancer awareness. As the clearinghouse for relevant discussions concerning men of color, particularly black men, we have taken time in this month to make sure that we provide information and awareness and also inspiration to brothers to do the right thing as it pertains to their health. With us today, uh, Dr. Harris is going to share some of his experiences, some advice for us, um, as well as some of the myths and misperceptions. And we're going to get to the bottom of a, lot of, the, of a lot of those conversations. Dr. Harris, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. <clears throat> <clears throat> so, uh, Dr. Harris, I want to hear um, about your story as it pertains to prostate health. Um, kind of what got us here today was uh, about almost two years ago, we were at a retreat, you may remember, um, with the board of directors of uh, Alpha Phi Alpha, and we were having a discussion about health and wellness for brothers, and you brought up this topic. Um, you were very candid about how uh, we as black men need to be vigilant about our health as it pertains uh, to prostate cancer awareness. Um, and so talk to us a little bit about that, just how you came to that conclusion from your own experience. Well, it's an experience that I've been very open about and willing to share because mm -hmm. I think that we don't talk as much about uh, prostate health uh, as we should. And it has had some dev devastating effects uh, within uh, our community, uh, Stokely Carmichael or Kwame Ture, uh, died of prostate cancer. It got into uh, his bones. I understand that that becomes very painful if you let it, um, um, you know, uh, proceed to that stage. But 20 years ago, I discovered uh, that I had uh, prostate cancer. Uh, initially, my doctor said, have you had the PSA test? I, PSA test, what are you talking about? Right. He said, well, we need to uh, make sure you have PSA tests. Uh, I had had digital rectal exams before, which, again, brothers shy away from, for some reason or another, uh, having a digital rectal exam. But, I mean, uh, it's not as intrusive as some people might want to see it. And I remember talking to my wife, who's now deceased, who said, well, you know, they poke and prod us all the time. <laughs> what are you men worried about? Right. So um, I had the PSA test, and the PSA test was a little elevated. So the doctor said, let's, let's keep an eye on this. Come back uh, in a couple of months, and we'll do it again. So a couple of months later, I went back in, had PSA tests again, 
and uh, it was becoming elevated. It was getting uh, to the point where we needed to think about doing something. And so the first step uh, is basically to have, um, why am I dropping the name here, uh, a biopsy. Right. That's the first step. And so uh, my doctor ordered a, a biopsy, uh, which I had, and it showed, I mean, it, it confirmed basically the presence of the cancer. Uh, and also they saw through the biopsy that the cancer was becoming a little bit aggressive. Okay. Now what you want to avoid is the cancer escaping the capsule escaping the prostate and uh, that's why at this stage uh, the doctor said we, we do the biopsy and then we decide on uh, what our next step should be well I had heard that the president of Cornell University had had prostate cancer and um, I began to look into this I spoke with him uh, about his experience, and that's why, again, I'm open because someone had been open with me right. and really helped me along uh, in the process. Um, he had recommended uh, a book that I should read. There was a book by a uh, urologist at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, who um, was basically seen as the top urologist in the country as far as prostate cancer is concerned. Uh, the number two person in the country, now this is about 20 years ago, so right. these things I'm sure have changed. The number two person in the country was uh, at Johns Hopkins. Okay. The number three person in the country was at Cornell Medical School, and that was the person who had uh, performed procedure for the president uh, of Cornell. Mm -hmm. But um, my wife and I, we read the book, and this is where I would recommend that uh, individuals discuss this matter with their partner, with their spouse, uh, because they're very much involved in this, especially down the road. Uh, and so my wife and I, we, 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 we looked we read the book. We then were informed and knew what kinds of questions we wanted to ask. And so I went to local urologists there uh, in Ithaca, New York. And uh, one of the things my wife and I, well, I guess I asked him, I said, about how many of these operations do you perform a year? He said, oh, about 18. My wife and I looked at each other. And we said, no, that's, that's, that's not good enough. <laughs> so you wanted him to perform, have performed more? Oh, the urologist <laughs> who did my surgery in New York City, the Cornell Medical School, performed 18 in a month. Okay, all right. This guy's, and he's very proud. He's leaning back. He performed 18 <laughs> in a year. No, okay. no, 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 no. You need to be practiced at this. Right. Uh, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead because... At that time, now again, this is 20 years ago, right. what, what people do today could be vastly different. But as they call it, the gold standard at that time was to remove the prostate. Right. Now, they do have uh, what they call seed implantation. Now, 20 years ago, seed implantation 
uh, they put radioactive seeds and that uh, destroys the, the uh, cancer, cancer wow. in the prostate. But 20 years ago, it was not as effective as it is now. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some side effects. Uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan, for example, had prostate cancer, had seed implantation, and it went wrong. Now, he fortunately had expert medical care, medical attention, Correct. so he was able to get that uh, taken care of. But my wife and I, we decided rather than doing the seed implantation, we would have the prostate removed. Now, a number of individuals are worried, concerned about having the prostate re removed because you do run the risk, for most brothers, it's a question of, am I going to become impotent? Right. Uh, am I going to become inconstinent? They can kind of deal with the in inconstinence, but it's the right. impotence that they have uh, difficulty with. Well, at that time, they had what they called, and I'm sure they probably still do this today, but they um, probably have perfected it now, uh, what they call nerve-sparing surgery. Okay. So with the nerves, see, it, it, it used to be, I guess, that they had to cut the nerves in order to remove the prostate. Mm -hmm. But my uh, urologist uh, was someone who um, practiced the nerve-sparing surgery. So uh, with nerve-sparing surgery, you don't become impotent. Okay. Um, and that's one of the big myths and misperceptions that a lot of men have um, that that treatment of prostate cancer affects their virility, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah, and so yeah. but the fact that you were informed and knew that that wouldn't happen. What were some of the resources that helped you to be that informed? Um, well, it was a book that, that I read on okay. uh, prostate cancer. And uh, also, as I say, in talking to the president of Cornell University, mm -hmm. in talking with the urologist at the Cornell Medical okay. Center, uh, I knew... Now, you're always, anytime you have any kind of surgery, you're always running a risk. Absolutely. I mean, I had to uh, donate a couple of pints of blood mm -hmm. uh, for the surgery. Turned out... The urologist, I mean, this guy was good at what he was doing. He didn't even need to use any blood. Wow. I didn't lose, I didn't, you know, I didn't lose any blood, blood mm -hmm. during the surgery, and so he didn't need to use any blood. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, we had, had talked about this, and I said, you know, ran the risk, but um, the likelihood was not that great. Also, uh, he said, after, now, as say, this was 20 years ago. He said, after five years, the likelihood of there being any reoccurrence uh, of the cancer is, is, is very low. Okay. So, as I said, it's been 20 years ago, and I, I have no uh, detectable cancer Wonderful. in my, my body uh, at the moment. And um, now, I do need to say that talking about the virility thing, uh, you can still have, well, you can still get an erection. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me just make it plain right. uh, after uh, you've had the prostate removed. You don't become 
impotent. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have uh, you, you don't have an ejaculation as you had beforehand, but you can have satisfactory sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, you have an orgasm like women do. Right. Uh, in uh, uh, sexual intercourse, so you know, I, I, to me, uh, you know, the future of my health was more important, important. Okay. than looking at these other issues. Mm -hmm. And I have always been, and still am, very confident in my manhood. So, right, right. Uh, well, it's, it's interesting that you say that because a lot of uh, we, we've been studying a lot of the statistics affecting prostate cancer because 99% of prostate cancer is treatable if detected early. Yes. Um, yeah. as, and then we've also learned that since, uh, I think, 1993, um, deaths from prostate cancer have been cut in less than half. Yeah. So yeah. it's important that this conversation is important because I think you talk about a lot of the 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 questions around virility and the, the, the quality of, of intercourse and what have you, which are things that I think keep a lot of men from seeking uh, the screenings or after getting a diagnosis, going forward with treatment. Yes, and uh, my brother-in-law just recently had the seed implantation. Okay. That's the direction, and as I say, this was my decision 20 years ago. Right, Things right. have changed vastly. Absolutely. Even with removal of the prostate and the nerve-sparing surgery, they have perfected this so that they have robotic surgery. Right. And the Which is less invasive, correct? Well, and the likelihood of error right. is much less now with the robotic uh, surgery that's done uh, to remove the prostate. So... I suggested individuals uh, inform themselves, read mm -hmm. as much as they, and talk with people. I right. talked with a, 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 a person who worked in dining at Cornell, and uh, he called me because he had heard. And as I say, I wasn't shy about letting people know right. that I was a prostate cancer survivor, but uh, he and I had a conversation, and I was back for a reunion two years ago at Cornell, and this guy came up. I didn't remember him. He came up to me, he and his wife. Oh, he wanted to thank me so much mm -hmm. for talking to him. And I thought, well, this, 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 this is good. But he said that, you know, you were so important in talking to me, letting me know what the situation was. My wife and I, I mean, and as I say, you, you got to talk with your spouse or partner. Right. He said, my wife and I are so, and his wife was standing there with, we're so appreciative. And I thought, well, I, I'm glad it worked out. Right. You know, I'm glad I could be of help. And I, I've talked to a, a number of individuals uh, about this. Well, that's why we wanted to have this conversation via the podcast, because our hope is that uh, we have our listeners um, kind of get over the stigma um, and not succumb to the fear or the rumors or the innuendo because it's a sensitive subject only in that it's not discussed robustly enough that folks have all the information. And so we're hoping that 
um, all of our listeners are able to glean from this, the importance of testing. But also, I think by you telling your story, you've helped to demystify a lot of what it takes to be vigilant about our prostate health. Um, so after your surgery and um, your, your treatment, was there anything that you had to do to maintain your prostate health or are there any things that you do? Well, there was um, no prostate after well, my, okay. I well, had yeah. it removed. Right. So there wasn't anything to worry about. But, you know, they say that men of Italian ancestry have a lower incidence of prostate right. cancer mm-hmm. than others. And part of it is because of their diet, okay. uh, especially tomatoes. And uh, there's some... Uh, vitamin or something in tomatoes. I, I, I can't think of the name of it uh, right now. But uh, this is something that individuals should look at. Uh, I was always an exerciser, so okay. uh, exercising after uh, having uh, the surgery was something that I uh, continued to do. And again, after the surgery, I could do everything I did basically Before. beforehand. Okay. You know, so, I mean, it wasn't really a problem. I mean, as I mentioned, things were a little bit different, but um, you were alive. it was something my <laughs> wife and I had talked about. Right. And uh, I used to say, bless her soul, uh, if you want to know whether I'm virile or not, talk to her. She'll <laughs> let you know. <laughs> well, yeah, then there's that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that you... Uh, were able to kind of walk us through your journey. Oh, okay. Um, and because I think that as we approach this month and as we go through the months sharing information, but also sharing these actual stories, um, hopefully this will compel someone to go to their doctor and to ask the right questions and to, to get tested. Now, you talked before about some of the questions because you've done the reading and done mm-hmm. the research. What were some, if you can think... Um, remember then what were some of the main questions that you had though just in kind of looking at this entire situation well the big question of course is whether you might become impotent right, we, right. we needed to clear that whether you'll become incontinent right uh, are you going to be able to control your bladder right uh, those were two major issues uh, what would be the period of recovery, recovery. okay and uh, I well actually um, um, I think it was what was it? A couple of weeks, I believe it was after my surgery, I was off to the Alpha General Convention uh, when Brother Adrian Wallace was president. I'm trying to recall where that uh, meeting was held, but uh, was 1997. I, I, no, this was 2000. 2000. That was 2000, in Atlanta. Two, two, yeah. The Millennium I was, Convention. Yeah, yeah I was. Millennium, right. Yeah. yeah, I was off to that convention. Okay. And so, you know, there was no problem with me traveling, right. that sort of thing. Uh, All right. You know, I had to watch myself. You, you're not supposed to uh, lift too heavy mm-hmm. for about a month, but uh, I could, could travel, uh, and I, I did. Uh, so, you mm-hmm. know, there wasn't much. I mean, okay, you do have, I should mention, uh, because you've had... Uh, the surgery, you have a catheter uh, to relieve your bladder. And you have that for how for, long? For about about a week. Okay. And then. Uh, well, full disclosure, that's kind of awkward, isn't that? The, the, the catheter situation. 
I don't think so. You didn't think so? No. Okay. I mean, the only thing yeah, you got, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very blunt. You have the catheter that goes into your penis, mm-hmm. helps to, to uh, clear your, 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 bladder. your bladder, and then you have to have it removed. Now, uh, I remember when we had um, Desmond Tutu speak at Cornell, and he had had uh, surgery recently, and I don't, well, I mean, I don't know how he did this, but he was there, and he still had his catheter in uh, when he came and gave a talk at Cornell. So I say, you have it removed within a week. It's, it's mm-hmm. just a little inconvenience. Right. Uh, okay. but. It's, it's, it's not that uh, major, uh, but that's part of the uh, recovery. Um, and it, I mean, this is sort of inconvenient, but uh, there was but no only a week, pain. About a week, though. Yeah, and there was no pain involved. Now, I worried about them taking it out. Oh, okay. But, again, that was done without any pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Okay. Well, um, from this conversation, a lot of the uh, the tall tales that I've been told as you oh. approach um, have been dispelled, and so I'm, I'm appreciative of that. I mean, because it was, uh, you know, stories about the pain of the exam and the embarrassment. Oh. Oh. Um, but but th- these are a lot of the things that have existed um, in our community, especially for years, which has kept uh, many of our brothers away from the proper uh, testing and screening as well as treatment. Well, you know, we, as a community, are reluctant to go to the doctor. Yeah. And that's something they we've call got. It white coat syndrome, I believe. Uh, that's something we've got to put behind us. Right. Uh, I mean, for, for our health and managing our health, uh, especially high blood pressure, mm-hmm. diabetes. I'm diabetic, uh, but I've... I think I've got that pretty much under control. Um, I've got glaucoma. I mean, I'll tell you all my ailments, okay? <laughs> uh, but I got that pretty. You know, medical science today can control these things. Right. If you say you have early detection, also mm-hmm. if you follow your doctor's orders. Correct. I mean, you know, you can't think that you're going to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I, for example, don't like to take much medication. Right. Uh, and so if I, as much as I can control it, I, I, I will. But then you reach a point where it's out of your hand. And I don't want to get religious on you here, but it's in the hands of the Lord. Absolutely. You can't do anything. I mean, he's in control. Right. And if you're going to try to override him, you're in trouble. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I uh, can't thank you enough, uh, Dr. Harris, for uh, joining us for this episode of Sphinx Radio. Brothers, I hope that you have heard uh, Dr. Harris's words has, as he has shared his experience. Throughout the month, we will be giving you all kinds of information uh, via all of our platforms. So please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and even our website as we give you infographics as well as these uh, podcasts and even some video products that give the stories of many of the brothers in our midst who have successfully um, beat prostate cancer, who have done the right thing as it pertains to screening and uh, treatment and the like. And so what we want to do is arm you with the information to help you live your best lives. 
This has been another edition of Streets Radio. I'm your host, Henry Stewart. On with an upload.